focus on on self-awareness and alignment. I think a lot of people dive into products and projects that, you know, feel good in the moment, but might not necessarily align with their their long term goals. Um, I think people get caught up in this idea of selling a company for multiples of millions of dollars because that's what everybody else is doing or raising a huge round of financing from a VC. And I think that people don't take that extra day or two to like look inward and say, hey, like all all I really need to be happy is $15,000 a month. That means that I get to have the apartment that I want, the car that I want, the the freedom that I want. Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours, but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and earned the money they deserve. Because of this, founders can have growth, freedom, and wealth. Until tomorrow, No Code becomes the next big skill that changes the future of humanity. That's what I'm all about. Hello, my name is Abdulaziz, and from an ethical hacker, to a European Ivy League business graduate with a Master's of Science in Entrepreneurship, to a hypnotherapist, to a growth marketer, I've lost everything twice, but I refuse to give up. So now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. The No Code Wealth podcast and newsletter are for the makers and founders who have the proactivity, perspective, and persistence to go on this journey with me and get the answers about money, marketing, and mindsets so that makers become earners, earners become founders, and founders get freedom and create wealth. And thank you all so much for the support. This podcast now is ranking very nicely on Apple in the entrepreneurship category, top 200 in San Francisco, top 100 in Australia, top 60 in Germany, top 50 in the United Kingdom, top 50 in Spain, top 50 in the Netherlands, top 30 in Sweden, and top 25 in Italy. And I have reached a total of 200 episodes on both my podcasts with 120 interviews published in a sprint of 50 days. So please keep supporting, rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing. And if you are interested in my mentoring services to help with your business goals, especially when it comes to marketing, networking, as well as podcasting, finding your podcast uniqueness, reaching out to great guests, getting ranked on Apple, conducting interesting interviews, podcast promotion, and much more, send me an email to mentor at storybonding.com, M-E-N-T-O-R at storybonding.com or message me on Twitter at no code wealth and let's begin a conversation. My guest today is Samuel Thompson from Boston University, where he studied business strategy and innovation to becoming the growth hacker in residence at Founders to the head of business operations at Elevated Concepts Group to a founding partner at Clarity Venture Group, 
to a social media influencer on Instagram and now the founder and CEO at Jetpack.so, helping early stage founders and digital entrepreneurs supercharge their digital growth. Samuel, how are you today? I'm doing absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be a blast. I agree. And I will begin with my most favorite current question, which is this. Samuel, these days, this period, these weeks, what seems to be on your mind? Something you keep on thinking about, maybe to improve, to fix, just to understand deeper or for whatever reasons, seems to be a recurrent thought. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, the, the biggest thing that I'm focused on right now, and, and it goes in line with kind of the stuff that you talk about in the no-code space, which is like, you know, a lot of a lot of these people that are in the no-code space set these, these KPIs around building out numerous projects and don't so, at least publicly, don't seem to focus so much on the revenue and income that are generated by those. Uh, and there's, there's so much movement in the no-code world and it's you know, one of the more empowering things that happened to entrepreneurship in the last, you know, three or four years, um, where, you know, building out phenomenal products and services has become much more accessible. Uh, but there's just like a lack of focus in my mind on on growth. Um, and, and that's, you know, honestly, what Jetpack is all about. But really, what my, my big thing is, is, is focusing on, you know, these these founders that are able to create phenomenal products and, and then have those products, you know, go to, to the, the business graveyard after, you know, four or six weeks because they weren't able to achieve as much traction early on because so much of the content and support is centered around building the products, not so much what to do post-launch and in the first three, six, nine, 12 months uh, when it comes down to actually turning this product into a sustainable, profitable business. Um, and so that's been... That's been the, the primary focus and the thing that I spend most of my time thinking about is, you know, how do we create a, a growth focused ecosystem that enables people to go out and actually turn these ideas and products that they've built using no code and even some of the low code stuff into something that can actually generate revenue and grow and scale and become, you know, a full fledged business, um, you know, in, in a shorter time and, and with higher odds of that actually happening. Thank you. So if I hear you correctly, you notice that in the no-code space, there is this kind of ethos or focus on building technically great products and great ideas and many projects with a focus on making them the best that they can be. But there is a big part neglected, which is the marketing and growth and there is no teaching about what to do in the first one day and six days and one month and 12 months in order to turn that idea or app or project you have shipped into a financial success. And therefore, too many great products go to the graveyard because uh, the makers and founders don't have that concrete step-by-step -step, or at least the principal understanding of marketing and growth. And your goal is to change this and add a perspective and a new ecosystem where there is a balance and a proper focus on the growth strategies and the marketing, not only on the technical aspects. Is this a fair understanding? 
Yeah, a hundred percent. And I mean, uh, in the no code space, you know, you're, I'm sure you're familiar with the companies like MakerPad or, you know, everything marketplaces or, you know, these communities that built out phenomenal resources for essentially from idea to MVP, right? Is, you know, here's how you use no code to put together the first version of your product. And I joined all these communities and I've only really, you know, been in the quote unquote no code space for maybe three or four months now. Um, but I joined all these communities and, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a marketer. Um, that's been, you know, what I've done since I was 15. And uh, those are the types of resources that I, you know, am attracted to and want to look at. And I popped into these communities by, by very, very successful companies and, and, you know, successful personal brands. And all of the marketing channels or sections uh, were, were relatively quiet. Um, there wasn't that much going on. There was, you know, so much more about, you know, how to connect uh, Webflow to Airtable using Zapier and all of these things, which are phenomenal skills and, and things that can make, you know, your go-to-market much quicker. Um, but it didn't talk about how to utilize Facebook ads. It didn't talk about cold email. It didn't talk about, you know, viral, you know, influencer campaigns. It didn't talk about any of these things that, you know, actually brought a bunch of these good products to market. Um, and, and so I kind of, you know, was like, okay, like growth is growth is the thing that I've always focused on. I've done it both internally with my own businesses, as well as for, you know, my clients. Um, and I think that there's something wrong with the, the way that a lot of these indie hackers and no code developers are thinking about, you know, these businesses. And a lot of it came even, you know, early on in, in 2021, where, you know, in indie hackers or MakerPad, people were setting their goals for 2021, and a lot of them were were saying, "Yo, I want to build six products. I want to I want to make six projects a, a reality this year." Simultaneously, working a nine to five, and you know, with this dream of being able to leave that nine to five to do this entrepreneurship thing full time. And I think there's a, a a kind of brash misunderstanding that like you know, you only really need to get to seven or $8,000 a month in, in independent income to be able to leave that job. Um, and you can do that with one product. You don't need to, you don't need to go out and create 12. Um, and so I think that was like the final straw for me of like, okay, I want, I want to find the people that are in this space that are actually interested in taking one or two of their companies and scaling, you know, vertically versus having four or five companies, like we just talked about that, you know, maybe, maybe go and make 15 to 2,500 bucks. And then, you know, there's not enough traction or the founder doesn't know exactly how to grow that past that 10 K MRR benchmark. Um, and they need that type of support. And that was, you know, again, that's where Jetpack came from, um, uh, which is taking all the stuff that I did over the last 10 years of my career in the early, early stage growth space. And even working with the fortune 500 clients that I have and applying that, into each of these different micro products so that they can at least hit that that 10 to 15 to $20,000 a month income and revenue goal. Brilliant. So again, what I am hearing is this, that makers, they have a nine to five job, or at least most of them. And what they want is to have their own independent income. But what they do is like when you went to the various communities in no code and low code, you found that there is a lot of activity in the technical aspects, but it was uh, silent when it comes to the marketing and the growth. And there is this idea 
that even they set the KPIs of, I will make this year six different products rather than the KPI of, I will do one product and I'm going to jetpack it to the moon and <laughs> make that product become a huge product that has traction and bring more than enough revenue for them to quit their job. And that they, if they try to make like a thousand or a thousand five hundred or whatever on each app and product, that is not the highest and best use of their time, as Jay Abrahams would say, or the opportunity cost isn't the, the best one, as Warren Buffett will say. And therefore, when they come to you, where you took and packaged all your knowledge from all your years of experience doing it internally, as well as to your clients, instead of them continuing to struggle, seeing little or no traction on each product and wasting their time building new products while they could have taken one and realized most of their dreams are all just with one bunch of effort and hours and work instead of doing it six multiple times. Instead, they can work one time, get that traction, scale, grow, and realize their entrepreneurial dreams and leave their uh, nine-to-five job without needing to work five times as hard just to do something that thanks to Jetpack, they can do it at a fraction of the effort and the frustration and uh, the headaches. Is this correct? 100%. And that's that's the major thing for us is I think, you know, for myself and my team, I think so much of the focus and attention is put on, you know, that pre-launch effort, right? Coming up with an idea, building out uh, an MVP. Um, and, and while no code enables you to do that much faster now, I think that in terms of time spend, energy spend, effort, uh, that a lot of that is still weighted too far on the pre-launch phase when, you know, and, and you know, very openly, like we have, we have internal projects that we run that are micro SaaS platforms that, I mean, I literally built a product in four hours, launched it the same night and scaled it to 30,000, 29,000 in MRR in six weeks because the bulk of our focus and energy was on growth, not on building out this phenomenal product. And it was a no code product to start. And now it's three months old, four months old, and we're finally moving into a low code type of environment. But the weight of, you know, building out this phenomenal product that, and I see it happen with a lot of entrepreneurs is they build products for scale before achieving scale. Um, And, you know, the, the zero to $30,000 a month threshold doesn't require a lot of the stuff that people are building. Um, the number of people that come to me and they say, I haven't made a single dollar yet, but I have a full active campaign, you know, email sequence set up. Um, I look at them and I say, you wasted four or five days building that active campaign because it's totally unnecessary. You can set up one zap and one Gmail account to do that exact function. And so, yeah, in the no code space, it's again, I think so many people love to build. And and I think that there's a, a place for that. If you're building for the sake of enjoying the process of building that's one thing but if your goals are truly to to take a a leap into entrepreneurship and give yourself some level of financial foundation to be able to do that effectively then your your focus needs to be on that not so much on you know i want to build the coolest no code tool out there um and i think that that's i think it's it's something that entrepreneurship as a whole, but specifically in the no code world, I'm super focused on shedding light on of like $10,000 is not the most challenging 
income goal to hit, right? You sell three products for $100 every single day, and you're making nine, $10,000 a month. It's not a complicated system. You can do it with a digital product. You could do it with SaaS. You could do it with literally anything. You don't have to run Facebook ads. You don't even need to really, you don't even need a website. Um, and I think that so many people are caught up on wanting to use the, the best tools or wanting to build a product that the other no code builders would like and would, would say is impressive. Uh, when in reality, the focus needs to be on the market and creating value for your end customer and being able to focus on that early stage growth to get yourself to that eight, nine, 10 K and MRR point, which is actually the point where you have the highest return on your investment in terms of being able to quit your job, being able to travel, being able to do whatever those that lifestyle change is that you're looking for. Um, and so our, our huge focus is we want to help founders that are in the no code space or working a current nine to five and, and want to, you know, live, live their both their business and personal lives on their own terms reach that that 100k benchmark that that 100k a year because it really gives the flexibility and permission for them to be able to like i said leave their job or stop going to school if that's what they want to do um and so for us it's like we need good products that come out and people that are focused on on an actual financial kpi not doing it for the sake of building if that makes sense thank you and I'm hearing two things, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate a little bit because this is exciting. 100%. There is an assumption here that needs to be clarified, which is product market fit. And I'm going to argue for the people who will set the uh, six products or six apps goal, etc. Is this, even if you test at a small scale, you don't really know until you release a product and people will pay money for it, whether it has traction or not. And the best growth tactics in the world don't work on a dud or on a product that the market is not excited for. So those people who are creating six or 10 or whatever products, what they're doing is they're doing fast and quick testing to know what the product will get most traction. And then when they see that demand in the market, then they can go and scale it. And I'm sure if someone comes to you and they say, oh, I released my product, I sold uh, three copies in the last three months, uh, can you get me to 100K? You'll be like, sorry, we're not, we, we can't do miracles. So right. now I'm arguing for that, the fact that the more they can build their products, I agree with you though, there is no focus almost at all on marketing or even if they do, uh, people who don't have much marketing knowledge are trying to use few tips and tricks and hacks in order to put the veneer of great marketing on their products. But on the other um, level, it's people who ha have found traction are the ones who are the most perfect and right for jetpack.so or am I missing something? Please clarify. Yeah, I think it's both. I, I mean, at the core, so essentially we we take people through, you know, what we would consider like the eight pillars of, of early stage growth. And one of those is is what I we kind of call it product positioning, uh, which is essentially product market fit. And I think that that's uh, uh, one piece of it that people miss. 
is you you didn't necessarily not achieve product market fit. I think that the majority of products that are put into the graveyard for that reason of like, yo, we just couldn't get it is actually more of a product positioning issue. And so the main thing that I focus on and, and you know, what I do internally, as well as tell a bunch of the Jetpack members that have, you know, rough ideas of what they want to create and, you know, having gone forth and building it out or, you know, have a list of ideas is the biggest thing you have to do is listen to the market. Um, and if you look at, you know, what would be considered competitor products, if you talk to people that are in that target market about pain points that they're experiencing related to the ideas that you have, you can very, very quickly uh, start to understand if your product is going to have traction or not. Um, and there's there's things outside of, and, and to touch on your point, I, I do appreciate the six or 12 products a year piece for exactly the purpose that you said, which is to test numerous products in numerous markets uh, and find one that, you know, you feel is, you know, has the most legs um, and, and, the reality of that is, you know, again, I, I focus on speed over everything. That's that's kind of my motto. And I don't think you need to take 12 months and build 12 products to be able to understand what product area or market is prime for you to go in and capture market share. Um, and so for me, that's that's the primary thing is, you know, we we listen is the biggest part is if you can listen to that end consumer and remove this ego of you thinking or, or the, the founder thinking that their solution for it is best. That's, that's a huge thing to overcome in an early stage founder is people will come up with this idea in the shower or while driving to work and be like, this is it. Um, and the reality of it is, is any of the businesses that, that I've built and scaled I knew they were good ideas because they would make money, but they weren't something that I came up with like that. It, it, every business that I've come up with started from a conversation with someone in that target market that shed light on a problem that they were experiencing and that I could come up with a creative solution to be able to, to solve it. Um, and I think that putting out 12 products a year, while beneficial for the sake of the exercise and be getting better at no code and you know all of those those kind of side benefits. Um, I think the primary thing that that people miss is going out and getting immediate market feedback before you even have a landing page. Um, you can get feedback on your idea very quickly. Social media is a beautiful tool for that. You can literally send a message to 50 people in your target mar market today and get real feedback on what they want, what they need, the problems that they're experiencing. And the reality is, is if you're on the phone with them, you can close them on some capital investment immediately. If you can sit here and say, Hey, like, this is the problem that you're experiencing. I have an idea that can solve that. You know, would you pay me $500, $1,000, I mean, $50 um, to be able to, to solve that problem. And more often than not, people say yes uh, to being able to, to wanting to pay for that. And I think the founders specifically early stage don't always have and I, I speak pretty frankly, but they don't always have the balls to be able to ask for that. And going to market is more of an ego thing than a product market fit thing of, you know, it's challenging to go to market and have someone say no. And I think a lot of founders avoid that and push out their deadline on when we're going to launch or when are we going to ask for money or when are we going to do whatever. Um, and I think that it, it gives kind of false pretenses on decisions that the company makes more out of a personal or emotional standpoint from the founder 
than from an actual product market fit perspective. And so that's kind of the stuff that we focus on with, with Jetpack is, you know, even like I said, with those eight pillars, one of those is, is growth mentality and mindset of like, yo, like being a startup founder is not hard. You're going to have to put your ego to the side. You're going to have to have hard conversations. You're going to have conversations that people say no. Um, but if you can look at that objectively, um, and a big thing that we, we talk about is objective love and objective truth. Um, if you can take all that information objectively and make intelligent business decisions about your product, about your market, and making sure that your positioning is in line, then you probably have better odds than if you just went out, try to sold it, and then they didn't buy, and then you, t- you just decided that your product was a, f- a fail and that you were going to move on to the next one. Um, when in reality, the products are good, they just don't understand how to position it so that it actually hits the pain points in the market. And so to answer the, the question, you, we focus so much on that piece that uh, we bring in people that you know don't even have product market fit, obviously not into our higher tier um, offers and, and things of that nature. But in the community, a lot of the stuff that we focus on on our daily office hours and stuff like that is is people that have you know, an interesting product that they've built and they don't understand exactly why or how um, they should go about getting that early traction. Um, and a lot of it relies on that product positioning, which is instead of switching from one product to the next product, it's let's take the same product that you have and define it and describe it better for the market that you're trying to hit. And, and a lot of the time you see a lot more success there than trying to move to the next product and do it again. Thank you. and. I have a few questions. One is easier and one is harder. <laughs> Which mm-hmm. one do you prefer to begin with? Let's do the hard one. Okay. The hard one. And I sense and see a lot of love for Dan Kennedy and what you said, which is really cool. So this is the hardest one. If it's so easy and more times than not, people will say yes. Why mm-hmm. don't you build your own products? Make each become 100,000 or more a month or a year, et cetera, and live like, um, like Elon Musk rather than teaching people how to become Elon Musk. And I'm just, you know, it's again, playing the devil's advocate to understand your position. What's in it for you in helping people rather than being the founder who scales his own stuff with his own resources again and again and again, using the Jetpack methodologies? Yeah, so I, I actually do both. Um, I currently own seven or eight companies that I'm not super public about. Um, and we launch a new product every six to eight weeks. Um, and I've sold numerous of them and, and you know, gone on that, that route. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, do, I do that internal stuff as well as external. Um, for me, and I, I'm very, very transparent about this with Jetpack, I, I'm interested mostly in moving into more of the investment space, uh, essentially being able to uh, get involved and be involved with more products than myself or my internal team are able of handling on their own. Um, and so what we're starting to move into and, and what we're doing with Jetpack is, you know, bringing in these founders that are interested in growth, essentially uh, instilling our growth methodology as well as expertise, making ourselves available for them as resources um, and helping them, like you kind of said, uh, achieve that product market fit piece. Um, our goal, like I said, is to get people to that 100K a year benchmark because that means that they have the flexibility to be able to actually work on this full time um, and not have to work a nine to five or whatever. And at that point, 
I generally reach out to them and have a conversation about what it would look like for uh, myself to come in as an investor um, or a partner um, on that product um, because they've already proven traction. They're already making money where, you know, this is everything that we do is cash flow positive. Uh, we focus on, on things that are profitable businesses with profitable ac- acquisition strategies um, and get into the position of, okay, now we're in invested partners. They have access to my team, um, access to my resources, my capital. Um, and end up making investments. Jetpack is is a huge magnet for me of talented people that have a product that I believe in that I think just need help getting it over that product market fit piece, um, getting them out of that nine to five and then opening the door and saying, hey, if you're interested, um, I think this makes sense. We can get this to 100K a month uh, if, if we both commit to it in this way um, and we want to do that. Um, and so... I think that answers the question is I, I do do all that stuff internally. Um, Jetpack is much more than, you know, just a, a monthly membership that, you know, I am trying to make any money off of. I'm, I'm not really, to be honest. Um, it's more of, you know, a paywall that means that the people that come in and that I spend my time with are as invested in the experience as I am. Um, and so we're not trying to scale it to, you know, $100,000 um, a month on Jetpack. It's more of a, a high value lead magnet for people in the no code or low code space that are looking to scale and that I want to build relationships with, help grow for that what, very early stage piece and then come in and, and really apply the full um, leverage that myself and my team can bring to a product to take that to the next level. And then, you know, whether it's whether it's going to end up being just like a phenomenal cash flow for me um, month over month, or if there's an acquisition at the end of the day, um, both of those are, are happy outcomes for us. Brilliant. So I'm hearing that Jetpack for you is a somewhat of a funnel to find good quality people in the no-code space, which means, you, like you said, it's a paywall for the right people to be there so that you spend your time with the right people rather than wasting it on the wrong people, which leads me to my next question, which is very interesting. You spoke about the wrong beliefs and some people, they have the wrong mindsets and the wrong KPIs, etc. which is great, which is you stating the myths and villains, etc. that you disagree with. And now I have to ask you on your true perspective on things. There are mm-hmm. people, whether Gary Vee, whether uh, Seth Godin, who says you cannot really spend your time trying to change people's perspectives. What you do is you find your people and attract them to you. And those people will already be open and eager for what you have, whether it's jetpack or growth, etc. So then to ask you, is this a perspective you have, which seems to me to be the case that you have Jetpack as something that will go out there and magnetically bring to you the right people who are your tribe so that you can deal with them? And if so, how are the people who seem to do well in Jetpack different in their beliefs, mindsets, and behaviors compared to the average maker who might not be so interested? Right. Um, yeah, I, I do believe in that. Um, and I, I, you know, I've, I know Gary V's team extremely well and, and those guys. And I, I agree. I, the main thing for me is I'm going to just be the, the fullest version of myself. And I trust that the right people will 
uh, whether it's follow me or join or, you know, create a conversation, send me a message are aligned in their goals. Um, and I think the, the primary, the primary that thing that I see specifically in Jetpack um, is there's kind of like two, two primary like user customer archetypes that we, we have. Um, one is the, the serial builder. Um, somebody that is six, seven, eight, nine, ten projects deep. None of them have gained real traction, um, and they're getting frustrated with the exact thing that these people are saying that their goal is, which is to build a new product every single month and keep looking for product market fit. And Jetpack steps into their lives and helps them understand uh, that the way that they're going about it and the things that they're focusing on. Um, are probably more misaligned with their end goal than they think. Um, and so that's the that's one side of the market. The other is is people that are are actually already in that early stage traction product market fit uh, like stage in their company. Um, and for us, that's those are the ones that are super exciting because they've they're coming in and they're you know they're at three or four or five k in MRR. They feel confident in the value that they provide to their end customer. Um, and they're looking for, you know, help taking it to that next level. Um, and in reality, I think what will end up happening, you know, in, in the next 12 months uh, with, with Jetpack is that we'll see a lot more people coming in that are either fed up with the fact that they've built and tried this no-code thing for so long and were never able to break past you know, a point that they would be able to quit their job or be able to do this full time. And I think that there's, it's the people that are starting to get sick of the build, build mode, um, and want to transition into that grow mode, uh, which is why, you know, even in our community, we don't talk about no code. Um, we talk about growth, um, and there's ways to use no code to be able to enable that, but we don't have, we don't have a web flow channel. We don't have any of that. It's not, it's not something that is interesting to us to talk about. There's so many other people that are talking about it. I don't want to be another me too community on no code. I want to challenge what the, I want to challenge the beliefs that I see a lot of no code, you know, influencers and, and bigger names talk about, which is build more products. Um, and I don't think that's the way to achieve the goals that people say that they want to achieve. And so I just say, no, I'm not, I'm not down to support that. I think that you can you can probably find a good product in two products. Uh, if you put out two or three, you should one of them should have enough legs to be able to go and, and grow. Um, and I stand firmly by that. I don't think it makes me you know super popular um, amongst some of the other people that are in the no code space because it's a different belief. Um, but what I've found is that the people that I've attracted, like you said, are are more in line with the types of people that. I want to work with and invest in and build with, um, anyways. And so it's been, for me, it's, it's been, uh, it's been product market fit of, you know, I've, I've had and built an audience very quickly on Twitter and and in Jetpack of people that are serious and people that I actually want to be in there. So I'm, uh, I'm very happy with that and we'll continue to do that. Thank you very much. And I don't know why that will make you unpopular. You're basically saying, don't mistake activity for productivity or activity for effectiveness or efficiency 
and high output for effectiveness, which is something that even Peter Drucker will, will agree with. Right. And I love what you said from the beginning, that people who are fed up with being a serial product maker or app maker, and then they don't get results. That's actually, I remember Rich Sheffrin was speaking about the ideal people for his products, which is totally different market. It's not this. But he said, when he looks in the SEO, people who are looking for the quick fix and the quick buck, those are not the right people. But after they get hit by the wall a few times and <laughs> they break their um, instant gratification spirit and mm -hmm. want the steady way that will work, that is proven, that is not about get rid quick then they will come to him and that will be the right place and what he's not about this he just teaches you how to turn your business into more of a professional corporation thing right. so it's a totally different market so i agree with you i don't know why that will make you unpopular but maybe it's a good strategy to be contrarian contrarian and to have uh, some um, polarization in your marketing and since you're a marketer i would like to ask then what from your Instagram days, and you seem to have had success as an influencer, which mm -hmm. lessons did you learn from there that taught you either about growth on Twitter or even uh, growing an app, which is a totally different beast to a human personal brand, or maybe you teach branding themselves as the founders? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest thing... Um... Instagram is a very, very unique beast and, and the the carryover on the lessons to Twitter, you know, there's there's a few there. Um, the learning curve on Twitter has been fun um, and there's some some nuances in, you know, how users social behavior is is different. Um, but with that being said, I mean, the, the primary thing is when you're when you're creating content on platforms like this, I think most people it kind of goes back to that ego situation um, of you just you, you have to face the music. You got to face the market. You got to just put content out and very, very quickly the market will tell you if they like your content or not. And I think the majority of people that are interested in pursuing that path aren't necessarily ready uh, for the market to tell them that they suck. Um, and for me, I'm not, I'm not super concerned with that. The market can tell me that I suck and I take it as a phenomenal lesson of what I shouldn't be doing and, and it helps refine my focus. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I didn't, I never have believed in having a perfect content strategy. I never believed in, you know, trying to curate my feed in a, in a particular way that I wanted. It wasn't, it wasn't so much about me, um, the whole, the whole thing that I did with Instagram and even Twitter now is, you know, I talk about the things that I like to talk about for sure, but you have to position all of that in a way that the, the user, the, the consumer, the content consumer is interested in, in seeing that. Um, and so I, you know, I just do micro experiments, right? I, I started, you know, two or three weeks ago talking less about business, um, on Twitter and, and starting to show more aspects of my personal life. Um, whether it's, you know, about my, my recent move across the country or things that I'm doing with my girlfriend or, you know, my, my pets to see how the market reacted. And if no one cared about that stuff, then I probably wouldn't post it that much. And it was the same on, on Instagram and it's now on Twitter. The, the same thing is you just have to, you got to put yourself out there 
and just understand that some people aren't going to like you. And going back to what we talked about before, some people don't like me because I don't talk about building another product. I tell them that they should face the music and do their thing. And so there's there's always there's always the balance. And, and I think striking the balance between, you know, this is content that is authentic to me um, and that, you know, uh, is a resemblance of who I am as a, as a person, both personally and professionally as well as on the other side of that, being able to balance it with, this is what the market, this is what the, the people that I want to attract want to see. Um, and the, fa- the faster that you can find that balance, uh, the faster you'll be able to, to, to hone in on, on a content creation strategy that actually scales. And then you, know, you, can, you can find loopholes in social behavior and uh, a lot of these platform like dynamics uh, to understand how to grow uh, pretty exponentially just by understanding how people use the platform and, and how content is perceived over scale. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yes. And I'm hearing you're saying we have to strike the balance between authenticity and being relatable because being authentic and being thought of as crazy because you're not relatable, that's not a good way. And if you right. compromise yourself in order to be relatable, that is not authentic, nor I will argue it doesn't even work to be fake. So it's about being authentic and sh- testing, like you said, to find what people can relate to and to focus on that. So you're doing in many ways what the French would call uh, in political science, creating bubbles, which is like you create a bubble to test how the market will react. If it busts in the market, then don't do more. <laughs> if it floats right. to the air, then that means it's something good. So send a bigger bubble next time, probe and see what's happening. Well, this was wonderful. I would like you to do two things right now to end. One, if there is any piece of advice that comes from your heart, you believe the listeners will benefit from, please share it. And to end just after that, share about Jetpack. What if someone is a beginner and they didn't get traction yet, so the little guys, if they want to be involved, what can they expect and where to go to learn more? And I will make sure to write those uh, links or whatever you'll share in the description so that they go there as well. Awesome. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I mean, the the main piece of advice uh, that I that I always lean into is is focus on on self-awareness and alignment. I think a lot of people dive into products and projects that, you know, feel good in the moment, but might not necessarily align with their their long term goals. Um, I think people get caught up in this idea of selling a company for multiples of millions of dollars because that's what everybody else is doing or raising a huge round of financing from a VC. And I think that people don't take that extra day or two to like look inward and say, hey, like. All I, all I really need to be happy is $15,000 a month. That means that I get to have the apartment that I want, the car that I want, the, the freedom that I want, the, the, my kids can do what they want. Um, and so I think, I think it, starting with self-awareness as this core understanding of who you are, what you want and what you don't want is something that everyone should focus on before diving into anything. Um, and making sure that the action that they take and the time that they spend is aligned with that greater purpose that they have in their life. Um, 
or the day will come at the end of our lives where we look back and say, wow, why did I do that? Because that wasn't actually what I wanted. Um, and I think that a lot of people just rush into those things. And so um, as that, that parting word of advice, that that's a main thing that I would focus on is, is take a second to look inward and like really ask yourself what you want and why and, and build accordingly. If someone wants to join Jetpack, they can just pop over to jetpack.so. Um, would love for you guys to join our community. That's that's kind of the main thing that we're focused on right now. Um, we do daily office hours, 24-7 expert helpline. We have a bunch of resources um, that you can look through. Um, my book is also coming out. Um, the growth book will be coming out in April. So if you want, you know, a, a true playbook that you can follow to get to hundred K, you guys can go check that out. That's also available at jetpack.so. Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you guys in there. We have plenty of fun conversations about product market fit, paid digital advertising, PPC, SEO, audience building on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, all sorts of stuff, cold email, um, any, any of these growth channels that early stage founders should be paying attention to um, that can help them get to that, that 10K a month goal, that 100K uh, ARR goal. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have you. You can start for free. It'll be fun. Thank you so much. It sounds great. And I will make sure to write the website. And I wish you, Thank Samuel, you. a great day. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm.